Salim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to season three of the Safina Society podcast. Uh, we are joined today uh, by our regular crew, uh, Brother Elias, Saad, and uh, Dr. Shadi. And we have joining us Nazmul Hassan as well. Uh, you'll be hearing him and uh, Yusuf Hussein throughout the season a little bit more, along with Mufti Niaz. Um, you know, so we'll talk about that in, in future episodes. But inshallah, he's joining us today for our episode. So how you guys been? It's been like last time we yeah, actually nah. recorded was what, Mad Mamluks? <coughs> yeah, well, uh, we did the Mad Mamluks. I think we had a couple of solos in between, mm. but it's always good to get everyone together. Absolutely. It's not easy doing these podcasts, getting everyone together, but alhamdulillah. 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 And we have uh, an episode coming out, uh, uh, another solo one with uh, Nazar uh, and Dr. Shadi on the problem of evil. I'm going to say it live on here so they can be held to a date. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're doing it Wednesday, right? Yeah, yeah. We're doing it Wednesday. We're going to do it Wednesday. Um, so inshallah, that should, be, that should be a good one. They're going to be covering uh, the problem of evil and theodicy. And I know we've claimed to cover the problem of evil in two previous episodes but we don't think we did a good job on that so no, uh, we, we did a great job we just started this season and you're already wrong <laughs> i don't think we did a good Listen, job we did a great job the skeptic and atheist will never be satisfied and that's why allah t- said about that don't even oh, yeah. ask because you'll never be satisfied. Likewise, the issue of Qadr, for example, destiny. <laughs> so you what just compared me. <laughs> no, no, you might be you might be thinking from the perspective of the questioner. Yeah. And I've seen these mm-hmm. people before, Muslims, yeah. who approach the matter uh, not from an issue of submission and belief, but from a rational basis. They never satisfied, and they're yeah. never satisfied with Qadr or evil, right? And we say to them. You're approaching it from the perspective of a kafir, to right. be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. Because Allah says, La yus'alu So we already know that the Prophet is. The real only two, two questions are this. Is the Prophet. There's really one question, if you think about it. Is the Prophet true or false? Because if the Prophet was true in his claim, that means Allah exists. That means the Quran and Sharia are all true. That's the only real question we need to ask, right? Yeah. Then part of the package is la yus al He's yes, not it's, asked. It's absolutely right. Yeah. I was having this conversation with someone, uh, recentish convert, and he was saying, you know, there's there's some issues that I come across, and sometimes I feel like I'm not sure about these things, right? And I said, well, listen, that's forget about delving into the the details of a fake ruling or whatever. Do you believe that God exists? A hundred percent sure. That's not a question, right? So we're past that with him. Alhamdulillah. And then, then my next question was, what do you, what's better than Islam? What's more believable? What's more rational? What makes better sense to you? Any of these other religions? Would you rather be a Hindu? What other belief do you have? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, absolutely not. I said, well, and that's all you really need to do. And then the rest of it is trust in Allah and, you know, move forward and expect that yeah. y- if it's not revealed to you in this life, it'll be yeah. revealed to you in the next. So what Mu'in meant, which is, I know what he meant, which is that there, there are different angles to the question. Sure. And, and and what you meant is that the structure of how we structured it was more fluid than systematic, right? Ah, well, now we have Sheikh Nazmul. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I'm, I'm, Nazmul. Not Sheikh. I'm not a Sheikh. I'm not a Sheikh. Nazmul, what's your job, actually? Uh, I'm a, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he's Bismillah. another IT guy. Bismillah, this is my first time. 
Just keep bring it closer. How was it your first time when you had a solo? <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. Okay. I forgot about that. Uh, I'm a, I'm actually a software developer. So, okay, yeah. well that's good. I do the same thing that um, we all three what, of what us. What kind of software do you develop though? Like video games? <laughs> no, no, not video games. Alhamdulillah. Um, video. <laughs> uh, just web applications like UI. Um, like what? What? Which one that went out there that was popular? <laughs> <laughs> Monday.com none, none of my work is uh, public He works for so uh, I Comcast. work for Comcast so. Oh you produce yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff for them Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I thought you meant like for Public stuff right? Nobody uses it's my stuff It's me and you yeah. And then a bunch of Desi IT people <laughs> 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 Not that there's anything wrong with it I'm the closest one To being an IT person Like you guys I know Saad's like a You know It's like a designer and, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close uh, I'm pretty close do you know that a world without pain Designer. would require <laughs> so it would require a complete alteration of everything Can't in the go. world <laughs> right a world without pain would change everything right it's because true. a world without pain would mean that there are no victors because one of the pains is the pain of loss the pain of defeat there'd be no victory right there would be it would necessitate no free will right it would necessitate no free will because if mm-hmm. there's no pain there's no infliction of someone doing pain on someone else so you have to stop him from having any free will to do that so if you're going to stop that you're going to stop every other free will right all other you can't selectively stop free wills because uh, if i do something like get a job over someone else okay i'm half my family celebrating his family's crying right so if we eliminated that pain you also eliminated that happiness the opposing happiness so the, uh, so this is what Nazmul what he's gonna do is let's just say Naz can we just say Naz, yeah, Naz, Naz yeah. way cooler than Nazmul <laughs> how could you have gone yeah. this long Naz. as Nazmul yeah. right people call me by my last name which is it's Hassan Hassan yeah uh, they didn't even pronounce that right <laughs> <laughs> Naz period Naz Naz, Naz yeah, yeah. Naz. Naz, Naz Naz something like that Naz now, so that's basically what, uh, what what Naz has done is structured it <clears throat> Sheikh Nuh and see without sure has structured it in different things so mm. I'm assuming that's what you're talking about yes that's what I meant that's obviously yeah, what I meant yeah so <laughs> continue on with your intro that you were uh, <laughs> so um, the the episode that we're going to talk about today and the topic that we're going to talk about is uh, you know why revealed knowledge is greater than empirical knowledge um, and, and an incident that uh, I'd like to talk about recently that occurred I mean uh, Saad sent me a video um, I think last week or a few days ago uh, about a show we used to watch, and um, it was about a villain, and he's talking about uh, ebooks, right, in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's this, it's it's actually an anime show called Psychopaths, and it's a it's a villain who lives in the future. The the, the show takes place in the future. I'm not going to go into the background of the show, but it's about ebooks, and he talk and he's talking about the the concept of ebooks, and the other guy's like, you know, I I, I read everything on ebooks. So the you know the the villain Makishima he says, you know, uh, you know. I prefer to read, you know, on real books, right? Because real books have a feeling that that that, that is beyond just, um, you know, reading on a digital screen, right? right? The the actual you know smell of the paper, the tactile feedback of actually reading. That even when you're reading a book, right? Um, you may be reading something and you may not actually comprehend what you're reading, but the tactile feedback. Of, of, of moving the pages of, of your mind, you know, gloss, uh, of reading through the words makes a difference. This guy sounds like a hipster. He is. <laughs> um, um, he was a psycho, but I mean, uh, a lot of his points, you know, made a lot of sense. And the reason I bring that example up is because of this idea that, you know, there are 
experiences and there is knowledge that is beyond the empirical. And that's why I brought that example up, right? He's, he says that, you know, the, um, you know, experiential the experiential knowledge, knowledge is th that's a type of knowledge that's not empirical, but we all admit that it exists. And so uh, one uh, great example uh, that somebody posted in, in our notes is um, that take a person that's colorblind, right? Um, let's, you know, the, 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 this woman, she cannot see any type of color. Sexist. Uh, <laughs> All right. So so she can't okay. see, she can she's colorblind. Mm -hmm. And but she reads on the study of the color red and studies about, about it. She reads about all the different spectrums of light and she uh knows everything there is to know about the color red, right? Um from the wavelength it has to how it hits your how it hits your eyes, everything. Now, n nobody with you know rational faculties would say that. Let's say now this person goes from being colorblind to being blind. To, to, sorry, go <laughs> being colorblind to now being able to see in color. Now she sees red. Is her knowledge of red different than it was before? That's totally different. Absolutely. Why? It's experience now. Whatever it might be, I think all human beings who are rational who see this example can all accept that you know her knowledge before and after is different, right? So that so that we can accept that you know there is knowledge that is not necessarily empirical, totally. right? Totally. And that's where I kind of want to set the stage for the episode, and uh, where I kind of want to take this is you know what is the importance of revealed knowledge and and it's not to throw out empirical knowledge because that's important as well but uh, maybe maybe so why i mean why unless you you're that? a friend unless you unless you unless you take like hume's view of uh, uh, of skepticism where even empirical knowledge is not as is not it's not solid it's not what we what we think it is right so according to hume's view we should be skeptical even of the things that we think are purely empirical, right? Better sensory perception. Yeah, because sensory perception uh, relies on past experience yeah. to give meaning to what we're experiencing in the present. And it's limited to perspective. Of course. There's also yeah. the assumption that what has happened in the past is going to happen in the future, which, which is, is an assumption. Which is right? an assumption so. that's not necessarily, really has no basis, right? We're just, it's all just speculative. Right. So all. even empirical knowledge, it's all based on this speculation yeah. that, the, that the present and future will resemble the past. And we only believe that because of our experiences, not because of anything that's concretely verifiable. Empirical mm -hmm. is the wrong name for empirical knowledge. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, by empirical, you're talking about observable sensory perception, knowledge of sensory perception, which is basically that, give an example that, uh, of where it can be dubious. You're talking about like, for example, the, sh the shadow. I'll give, a, no, I'll give a great example for, for, for Muslims, right? So empirically, you would say that the sun always Rise from these. rises as from as a these. fact it's a yeah. fact it's yeah. an empirical fact well, how, how, how do we know because it always has yes and then I saw it do it again this morning yeah. so for sure it's going to tomorrow until the day it rises from the west yeah mm -hmm. so that's the black swan case right the idea that uh, swans are always been defined as white birds with long necks etc etc until one day in Australia they found, discovered an actual black swan right so as a question because um, I know Moeen made the distinction between Right, something that you experience, right? Like in the in the case of uh, the woman being colorblind, her actually experiencing the color uh -huh. red for the first time versus observable um, phenomena. Mm -hmm. So how are the two 
distinct, well, I guess, in that case, right? Case. Aren't, yeah. First of all, the uh, the Muslims, the Sunni <clears throat> theologians, put a great limit on the type of empirical knowledge that assigns something as a fact, simply because it has always happened, right? And we put that in a balance where it's not a rational impossibility that the reverse happens. Right. So there's a big difference between that saying that the sun rises from sun will always rise from the east as a statement of fact okay and that that there's no such thing as square circles as a fact right so the one is logical it's a rational impossibility because it's the two words are and always will be mutually exclusive square and circle right. yeah. however uh, it's in the qudra of Allah is in the power of Allah ta'ala to make the sun rise from the west make fire not burn make water not drown make sugar not sweet that's well, possible and the other thing that comes from what you were just saying doc is that uh, when you accept the so-called imperial uh, empirical uh, worldview you also automatically assign causation mm-hmm. and causation can be randomness it can yep. be you know laws of nature alleged laws of nature right that are unchangeable and immutable but they don't necessarily need to be yeah and you exclude <coughs> the primary the true cause of all things Allah subhanahu so, ta'ala. so, so i guess the, what i was asking was um isn't isn't the woman right in your example and and maybe the example it's out of out of the scope of the example but isn't the woman observing the color red isn't that an empirical observation right like she sees the color red like how is that not empirical is, i, I, I guess think my, my I, question I, is. I think the the it's not the observable phenomenon that's that's the change in the knowledge. It's the exp- because she already knew everything there was to know about the color red, right? right. Before she even learned, got right. to see it. So technically, her empirical knowledge hasn't increased. She already knew everything there was to know about red. It's only her experiential knowledge of the color red so, that's changed. So you know how we would how how we would put it. We would put it that there's three types of knowledge. There's transmitted knowledge, rational knowledge, and sensory knowledge. Or uh, observable knowledge and transmitted knowledge can lend you knowledge of something uh, a, ra- a rational knowledge okay a rational basis for that lends you something else and then the finally seeing that lends you a different angle so what you're what you're saying is now her transmitted knowledge can only take you to a limit right <clears throat> and then once you add now sensory perception to it okay you're adding a, a higher level. So Imam al-Ghazali says someone who's heard about a fire, that there's a fire in the woods, someone who's seen it with his own two eyes, and someone who's felt its heat. The three are different. And, right. and in the Quran, we have that you've heard about something, you've seen something, and you've experienced something. And the highest is but interestingly, Imam al-Ghazali carries on, and he says that, even if someone possesses haqqil yaqeen, right, he's still limited. There are certain things he cannot do. For example, just because you've experienced the, you, we've seen the color red or we experienced the heat of a fire, doesn't mean we can teach a course on it and vice versa, right? So, for example, the uh, woman who studied everything about the wavelengths of the color red and what it's doing and all that, she could teach a course on it, even if she's never seen it. Right. colorblind right. however the person who because that a, a knowledge is the realm of transmission whereas just for seeing the color red doesn't necessarily mean we could teach anything about it right. so likewise <laughs> Imam al-Ghazali also says that most Muslims know Allah experience uh, experientially but they can't speak about Allah mm-hmm. and many alims and scholars who have 
ed- been educated and young people who spent four or five years in the madrasa can give you a lecture about Allah and they have less experience with Allah. Subhanallah. So that's how it is. They're different and there are superiorities in different ways. And this is where it's actually linked to what we've been trying to say for the last few years of Gufism is that just because you have had an experience doesn't mean you could talk. Mm. Right? And just because you're talking doesn't necessarily mean you're claiming an experience. Right? right? Wow, I think we answered. That's a wrap. <laughs> I just want to go back to the 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 example. It's called the Sally and the uh, Sally and the color red. So if people want to look it up, just look up Sally and the problem of knowledge. On it. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's a paper. By oh, okay. Well, the philosophers so. always try to make their thing sound like cute. <laughs> <laughs> the title. So so so, so did, did did I explain it correctly though? I mean, wh- what's the difference between mm-hmm. her knowledge? You know, like if, as Saad said, because now I'm curious about his question. Isn't yeah. it still empirical knowledge going from? Um, you know, seeing the color and you know not knowing about the color and then seeing it isn't that still empirical? So it's it's still empirical knowledge, but the point of that thought experiment was to show that um, materialism is false, right? Mm-hmm. Because the materialist would say that everything that you would need to know about the world is contained with um, within like objects, like okay. stuff. Okay, I have a right? question yeah. for that that uh-huh. you you probably came across in your yeah. rebuttals of these things. Yeah, you just said that the materialist <laughs> philosophy. Yeah, which is is that. Everything that is knowable is only knowable empirically. Right. right? How is that thesis proven empirically? Exactly. It's not. It's not. How is that, that <laughs> assertion? Is right, right. Not even, it's not. This is yeah. why. This is why materialism, like as a philosophy, is not. I mean, it doesn't go anywhere, right? Because it's self-contradictory. Yeah. The but but that particular experiment was to show that uh, consciousness, right? Consciousness, we can all agree, is something immaterial, right? Right. right? Because it's not something we can find under a microscope. It's not something we can uh, sort of um, you know, like, oh, there's consciousness. Go look it up. Uh, there's know? also no effect, no cause that can bring it into effect. Right. No exactly. known cause right. that can bring it into effect. Right. Yeah. Uh, no material cause uh, yeah. for that matter. Right. So this example of Sally knowing everything about the color red, but still being colorblind, it doesn't give her enough knowledge for her to say, I know the color red. It's only when she's conscious of it, right? right. Only when she's conscious of it, she gains a new knowledge that's not uh, material. You know what I mean? So it's, it's not material. So therefore, this type of experience, even though it's empirical, it's it's something. There's an added thing to it. The conscious understanding. The conscious understanding, which is not uh, empirical. Now, right? define for the yeah. audience uh-huh. what, because uh, I know some of them are going to be at, on Wikipedia if they're really interested. <laughs> but how do you actually define empirical for a common person who's listening, or a, or a, or a college freshman who's listening? Yeah. How would you define empirical? Empirical is just through the any knowledge that comes to the five senses. Okay, so, so that's what we said yeah, yeah, sensory perception. Yeah. Right. So the so the British empiricists, so this tradition of empiricism comes through um, the British philosophers like Locke and Hume yeah. and so on. They thought that human beings start off with a blank slate, right? Right. And the outside world makes impressions. So imagine the human mind is like a like a cushion. Yeah. And uh, impressions are like you know. Uh, sort of put into this cushion and then that's how you sort of get experience right yeah and your entire knowledge is sort of built off of this but then as uh, Alex pointed out this leads to a denial of causation it leads to a denial of uh, like any type of rational thought because if all your knowledge is just coming from empirical you know just empirical impressions right you saying that okay the ball breaking the glass is there's a cause between the ball and the glass Right? right. That's something you added in there. Right. That's not something you see empirically. 
right? Well, say that. Say that one more time. But someone so, will no, say we did causation see it is No, inferred. you saw the, you saw the interaction, but you did but not you see that the, the ball caused yeah. the break. Right, right, right. You just see. What, then what, what would you say caused it? Could be anything. Could be. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. So causation itself is something you can't like get empirically. You it's something it's a philosophical our, assertion. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, something that it's something that our mind puts there, right? It's so like if you're the assertion of sorry, it's like the Aristotelian assertion of gravity, right? Oh, there's like a magical force. Something, some things are imbued with levity, and others are imbued with heaviness. Mm-hmm. And so, birds fly, and humans are stuck to the ground because of like a, an innate trait, and that's the cause of it. And which philosophers uh, recognize that idea or admitted to that? Oh, that that, that causation that, is philosophical. Well, so like the 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 uh, the ones that uh, the the British empiricists that yeah. So I mean, they would oh, say. Oh, I see. So yeah. they themselves yeah. are. So in that case, well, then uh, this idea, this assertion of causation, well, children are born with it. Well, in the sense so that, I'm gonna well, I'm hum- gonna I'm gonna back up one second, um, one second, <laughs> so that we don't go so deep that people are confused. So, uh, uh, somebody might listening might have to re-listen to that last like five okay, minute yeah. segment. Just want to recap it. So can you explain? Why there is no, why there would be no, you yeah. know, why this causation is assumed mm-hmm. once, for example, a ball hits yeah. hits a piece of glass, right? Um, just to, then, then we'll get to what Doc Shed's yeah. point was. So yeah. it's it's something that Alex mentioned previously that all of your. So if you say if you say that all of your knowledge is empirical, only if we're only, we're only right. admitting empirical knowledge, yeah. nothing uh, else to be certain yeah. about anything. Yeah, yeah. inductive so, reasoning, not deductive. Exactly. So all your reasoning is inductive, right? You, there's no there's no way there's no ground for you to make rational conclusions right because all your reasoning is inductive you just see events you know a cause b a cause b a cause b because i've seen it the last 2000 times right right but there's no uh, like you have to be skeptical right there's no way that you can have certainty yeah, if, if oh, I see what you're you saying. You see what I mean? Yeah. I see what you're saying. Absolute certainty right, that right. this will always happen in the future. Exactly. Okay. Now, but by the way in sharia though the theologians have mm-hmm. separated things. The theologians hold, right, and mm-hmm. these are not contradictory points. The theologians hold that you're right that uh, we don't admit this causation, mm-hmm. right, and, and and that the fire can one day not burn if Allah right. wants it not to burn. So that you return everything to Allah Taala. The the jurists, however, hold something else. The jurists hold that when we live in day to day life, that is admissible evidence. Mm-hmm. And that's where it could become obligatory to seek medicine. If a person didn't seek medicine for their child based upon this thesis, they could be held accountable for homicidal neglect, for example. Mm-hmm. Right? You're, and, the, and the proof they have for this is that Allah says, in the mm-hmm. Which means that verily the hearing, transmitted knowledge, and the seeing, sensory perception, and the heart, uh, reason, okay, all of this you can be asked about. So the jurists hold that even though the theologians are correct, yeah. that this is not a real causation, and it is only because Allah is the one, uh, Allah or ordained that all the time water will quench thirst, right? right? Right. Or at these times of water, so that you don't go crazy. He created certain cause and effects that are predictable so you don't go crazy. We believe that, <laughs> and that there's the water doesn't have any causation in itself, knife doesn't have a causation in itself, etc. However, the jurists hold that they are actionable items, though. So that, for example, uh, if you don't observe something, if, if every day uh, you know that gravity exists, and then I give you a, 
uh, an iPhone and you stick in front of a toilet yeah. and you say, well, the theologian said <laughs> yeah, right? that, that, it might not it. happen this time. <laughs> the, yeah. the judge will rule for me. Right. 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 So there's a I distinction mean, that the, uh, the audience should know. I mean, that's a... That, yeah, that's a completely rational yeah. distinction too, because otherwise nobody be, nobody would be able to function on a day to day level yeah. of like, hey, yeah. I step out this door and I'm not going to fly into the sky, mm -hmm. so I'm never yeah. going to step out the door <laughs> because out of that fear. Yeah. So you have to operate on those reasonable. So then let's make that clear to the audience that there is there are philosophical discussions that that <clears throat> pertain to theology, right, uh, and beliefs, and they are oftentimes different, okay, than what applies to. No, the jurists, fiqh, and everyday actual living. So, I mean, Muin, you started this off with, I guess, the um, the Sally. difference or the uh, forget the Sally thing for now. <laughs> <laughs> um, with the uh, with the difference between revealed knowledge, right, and empirical knowledge. So maybe um, we can we can talk about the distinctions there and then kind of that, yeah, that that's so, that was sort of my next point, which is you know, so then. We understand what empirical knowledge and what what is necessarily revealed knowledge. Is it knowledge, for example, that is from hadith? Is it knowledge that um, you know that we take from any person in the past, say, like you know the scriptures of the the Bible and the Torah, or is it only the Quran? Like, how do we understand revealed knowledge and how do we differentiate? So, revealed knowledge is under the category of transmitted knowledge. So, the ulama place all of religion. Quran, Hadith, everything in the same category of transmission. It's just that it's sacred and it's the, the link ends or rises to the heavens, right? Where So history, journalism, and revelation are the three transmitted knowledges. Now, journalism is everyday stuff, right? Uh, history is within, you know, human behavior. But revelation is a transmission going way back uh, to a prophet, to an angel, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for that reason, the muhaddithin, they basically, the muhaddithin, hadith scholars, and scholars in general, uh, historians and journalists have the same principles, but you can imagine that the scholars of religion, they apply those same principles of how to accept a transmission on like steroids, because there's heaven and hell involved. Mm -hmm. right? So what you're talking about in standards is reliability of of, of, of the sources yeah of yeah. sources so when it comes to the scholars let's say Imam al-Bukhari versus uh, a, a top historian versus a top journalist the journalist will be considered the uh, the thinnest of threads needed to make an assertion the uh, historian will need a thicker thread but the muhaddith like Imam al-Bukhari will need a rope right because now history doesn't affect your day to day life History doesn't affect whether or not you're going to wear hijab. Yeah. Right? That's a big deal. That affects my life. It's like affect my life. There's if, salvific consequences. If, yeah. Salvific. Right? And, and also, not just salvific, every day. Yeah. Right? Is study Quran language. <laughs> <laughs> so everyday life is affected. So I could be really bothered. Think about this. The and, and I think I talked about this before. The transmission of one narration that is so basic could alter a woman's life. For example, a very small thing. You know, w women, if they have a really thick eyebrow or it's connected a little bit, right? There is a narration from Ibn Mas'ud, okay? That states that, I can name this actually. Oh, sorry. There, there's a narration that's uh, where Ibn Mas'ud, a woman had, had cleaned up her eyebrows, mm -hmm. right? And Ibn Mas'ud <coughs> says, Allah has cursed this baby, right? And, uh, uh, and she said, how can you say that when the Qur'an hasn't uh, done that, right? 
said anything like that. She said, because she was his wife's friend, and she was coming in. And uh, he forbid the wrong, right? He said, Allah uh, right. uh, is cursed. So she said, it's not in the Quran. She said, it is. He said, it is, because Quran says obey the Prophet. And he said, the Prophet never said this, right? And then he cited, uh, uh, he cited something, but in fact, he cited something from himself, basically, how he understood it. The Prophet had, set, had, had made a statement which he cited, which he understood as including cutting the eyebrow hair. Right. That's how he understood it. Right. So now this is now transmitted as the Prophet has cursed the one who trims eyebrows. Mm. So a Muslim girl, let's say, is growing up, her eyebrows are a bit bushy. And, and unfortunately, I don't have the exact uh, saying. Unfortunately, I apologize because it's not on my mind right now. But she has hadith? the exact hadith, yeah, uh, from Ibn Mas'ud. But it's that she now then will not do this, and she will go to school, and she will be looked at, and she will be she feel weird because everyone else does it. Now, that transmission is actually the Madikis did not accept it because they tr accepted the transmission of Sayyidah Aisha. A woman asked Sayyidah Aisha, I'm about to get married. Can I clean up my eyebrows? Right? She said, not only clean up your eyebrows, if you can actually replace your eyes and put new ones, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, do it. In other words, and there's multiple hadiths from Sayyidah Aisha permitting that. Right. Right? So that's an example where a transmission, a single transmission, okay, will have a day-to-day -day effect yeah. on a person. And you might think, wow, what, how is this a big deal? Well, it is a big deal. That's on your face. It's part of your face. Right. Your face is a big deal, right? So in the Madiki school, it is uh, permitted. Uh, the only time it's not permitted is uh, in Ihdad, which is when yeah. mourning period after the husband dies, right? Yeah. That's the only time it's not permitted. And the intention should be for the husband. In other words, for to look good in marriage, right? But it's permitted throughout. Also, I mean, and I think another, another, this mic is about to fall over. Um, so I feel like a, a, another benefit uh, in, in transmitted knowledge over empirical knowledge is just the, the time element, right? For example, I can learn that fire is going to burn me by putting my hand in a fire, right? And that's, that's an empirical method. I conducted an experiment. I put my hand in a fire, and it burned. But that's the hard way of learning something. Somebody could tell me, hey, don't put your hand in that fire. It's going to burn you. That's a shortcut to that knowledge without having to go the empirical route, right? Sure. And so that's actually a benefit that transmitted knowledge has over empirical knowledge totally true. because I don't have to arrive at that yeah. conclusion myself. That also raises a point that I was going to make, which is that the vast majority of what people are calling empirical knowledge is actually transmitted right. knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, what you said is very true, and it's what every parent says to their son. Listen, I've made these mistakes. Don't make these mistakes. Now, here's something that's very important to know, though. Uh, transmitted knowledge, even though it's a shortcut, it does sort of, in a sense, and uh, it does, in a sense, handicap a person because empirical experiences uh, uh, give a person strong, deeper knowledge, more certain knowledge. That's why, all right, why can Malcolm X go and tell uh, gangsters to come off the street and I can't, right? Because he's experienced it. He knows how to everything about it. Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab was keenly aware of this when he said, when he looked upon the, the born Muslim kids, teenage kids who grew up in Darul Islam, never seen an idol in their life, never seen kufr, never had anyone throw a rock at them for being a Muslim, never saw a sword being pulled out on them. 
he looked and he worried right he worried right and he said islam can be can can end at the lie at the or can weaken at the hands of these folks why he i saw kufr i know kufr they don't so in that sense transmitted knowledge of course is a shortcut and which uh, and by transmitted we don't just mean revelation every all transmitted knowledge but at the same time experiences also it lends credibility mm -hmm. now i want to just uh, for the sake of um, uh, the hadith so Sayyidina abdullah bin uh, mas'ud okay said he cursed the women the women who practiced tattooing and those who remove hair from their faces and those who created spaces between their teeth because that was used to they used to like that in the, in the past okay uh, now the woman said how could you say that he said it's not in the book of Allah he said it is in the book of Allah where Allah says uh, obey God and obey his messenger right so he didn't actually even quote the Prophet he gave a ruling then attributed the ruling to the Prophet okay so for that reason the other the scholar Amalek the Shafi'i they didn't give it the weight of a hadith they gave it the weight of a tafsir Right? Because he didn't quote the Prophet at all. He simply, he gave a ruling, and then he attributed the ruling to the Prophet ﷺ without citing him. Madik says the narration of Sayyidina Aisha is greater, okay? Because he said, if Sayyidina Aisha is telling women to do it, right? It's a woman's issue. Who's going to know more? Ibn Mas'ud or Aisha, right? So they, they outweighed it by that so and also a chef and also all of the actual hadith of the prophet against tattooing that is from the words of the prophet none of uh, none of them include the the fixing up of eyebrows none of the hadiths of the prophet can can i just uh, as a quick aside yeah in the science of hadith mm -hmm. uh, transmission when a hadith comes from one of the ummahat al for mm -hmm. instance right there's no necessity for it to be verified by a second person. Doesn't. No. <coughs> so the idea of testimony requiring two. It's limited to certain categories, it's, and yeah. not even the most important one in the world. Which is transmitted the, yeah. the Deen of Allah. Okay. It, yeah. And for those people who are interested in that question, <laughs> mm -hmm. it, that legal uh, issue, Imam Sheikh Muhammad Al Yaqubi, Hafizahullah, taught us the opposite. He taught it. Not that. Sorry. Not. He, he, ta he taught us that the reasoning is is the opposite of what people think. That the reasoning is that it's only in those matters where someone would lose like a limb or their life, a crime, or a lot of money, right? Where the, uh, a person would suffer great loss. That Allah does not want them to be the reason that a man suffered that loss. It might haunt them for the rest of their lives. Allah so he made it difficult for that reason. Mm. So Allah Ta'ala made it difficult for the woman to testify against a murder, against an issue like that where a person would suffer a corporal or a financial loss. So that's how Sheikh Muhammad Al-Qubi, and he said it's limited to those only. And aside from the aside, mm -hmm. I've never listened to Sheikh Muhammad Al-Qubi, yeah. except that he came up with something that nobody else had ever said, uh, that I never heard anybody yeah. else say. And then it's verifiable and there's proofs and there's citations and there's yeah. no question that it's legitimate, but it's completely Something nobody else had yeah. ever thought of. Yeah. Mashallah. Sheikh Muhammad al Yaqubi is one of those that he doesn't speak without a transmission. You know that, right? Yeah. He does. He he's actually one of his hobbies is looking at chains of transmission. So transmitted. That's why I said the hadith, the scholars of Islam, it's transmission on steroids. 
He literally has books, and I've seen him chit-chatting with people. Oh, he transmits from him? No, he, he, he transmits from him, right? And he knows the lines of transmission because that's our dean. Yeah. The other person that's like that with uh, stuff that you'll hear and you go, I've never heard this. Yeah. And then, it, of course, it's 100% true. Yeah. It's Ibrahim Ofsiyah. Sheikh Ibrahim Ofsiyah. All right. What else you got, Moeen? That's it. That's a wrap. <laughs> uh, okay, can, I, can, I, can I jump in for a little so bit? Go what, for it. What are the angles, I guess? Oh, mic oh, keeps falling over. This is why um, our mic broke. Yeah, we <laughs> Well, did you say the, the fire sound is gone now after that mic fell? Yeah. yeah, so it must be from that. Okay, keep going. I don't know. Uh, so um, okay. you were going to interject something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, I get this idea of you know having transmission and verifying these chains, right? So, but somebody might ask, so let's say let's say um, like a like a Hindu, you know, he might have, you know, chains of transmission going back to his Brahmin uh, Sheikh. Okay. Well, not to Sheik. where? Uh, to Up to what? To some experience that he had of Vishnu or Brahma, or whatever. So like, yeah. <laughs> okay, good question. So, uh, Keep going. Right. Yeah. So so what distinct? So just because we have an authentic chain yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that 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 knowledge that we have is revealed knowledge. Right? Yeah, you're no, assuming that they have a chain. Well, let's say they claim it, right? No, but they have to show it. So okay, no. so let's say there's they show. Two, there's two accounts. Number the first. Some account, of them do claim it. Right? Yeah. Okay, let's say they do. They have a claim of a guy who saw his gym. Right. It's a gym. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't know it. it's a gym. Don't move that thing around. What's that? So. <laughs> Yeah, it just it keeps falling over. Yeah. yeah. Keep your hand on it, but don't move it because okay. I can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a rookie on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Cosmo's getting it. You know, it was only a matter of time <laughs> before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep your hand on it, but don't move yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <All right. laughs> now, uh, okay. He has a chain of transmission to a guy who levitated, okay, <laughs> and claims claims. Right. Mm -hmm. Fine. We don't believe in the Prophet because he had spiritual experiences. Yeah. We believe in the Prophet because he brought us rational evidences right. that would indicate that he's nothing other than a prophet, yeah. which are called prophecies. Mm -hmm. Right? That means, and there are three types of prophecies, only one applies to us. The type of prophecies that he said and it happened before it was written down in a manuscript to which we have today. If you quote, well, the Prophet said that. Uh, that Sayyidina Omar ibn Khattab would be uh, or Sayyidina Hussein would be assassinated and he was okay well where'd you get that the manuscript is there well it happened before the manuscript was written mm -hmm. right so we don't admit it and also mm -hmm. the Prophet said and made prophecies that Prophet Isa would come back Sayyidina Mahdi would come back the Jah would come well it hasn't happened yet so that is not admitted into the discussion either what is admitted is when the Prophet said something and it was written down by human beings and we have those documents in mm -hmm. front of us at a time when that thing didn't exist. And today it exists. Mm -hmm. So it leaves you right. with a couple options only. Number one, the muhaddith made it up. Or the scribe made it up. We would say, okay, so you, now you want me to believe that the scribe took a gamble on his prophet. And he gambled out, came true. <laughs> <laughs> right? So and that not, guy's a prophet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not right. only that, right. that people who didn't even see each other, uh -huh. never even knew each other, ra randomly came up with the same gamble on their own prophet. And both of them came true. Because the hadiths come from many different scholars who never met each other. Yani, for example, uh, a Sun'ani never, and Bukhari, uh, totally unrelated, right? So just because you, that when people talk about the muhaddithin, they should not imagine that this is a group of people sitting around a circle. They lived in all different places at different times and they didn't even know each other, right? right? In many cases. And didn't even cite each other in <coughs> many cases. Okay, So it's not like they all cited one another. Like a small group who's citing one another and repeating the same thing. So, uh, at that case, we would say, okay, 
you want to say, well, well, okay, well, maybe your prophet, he made a prophecy because he's trying to be a prophet, and it happened to come true. We'll tell him, number one, I can give you 50 right now that came true. Mm-hmm. But that's not really the, the, the only proof. We have to go one step further. Because you can bring me another guy who made prophecies that came true. Well, let's go one, one step further. The next step further is, does he have a prophecy that became false? Right? right. The opposite. Because Nostradamus has a prophecy that became false. He, prom- mm. he prophesied in the introduction of his book that he actually, he said that in like 200 years or something, there will be such plague and famine that uh, people won't even be able to farm. Okay. Now, Nostradamus, which is a fancy name, his name is actually like Michael of Notre Dame. Notre Dame <laughs> right? yeah. They ter- want to call it Nostradamus. They make him like a yeah, wizard. They Latinized <laughs> it. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a, philo- he's a doctor. It's like yeah. He's a doctor, Gandalf. by the way. Yeah, Gandalf right? the Great. Right? <laughs> you say, you, he looks like Gandalf. He's like Gandalf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> look, look him up. He looks like Gandalf. He's like a doctor yeah. in, in Paris. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he came up with this book. Yeah. And he said, now, if you look at this prophecy, it's the exact opposite happened. The Industrial Revolution occurred, yeah. and Europe exploded with, with, with wealth and right. farming. And, and at that time, they actually discovered that you could put the seed into the ground, yeah. and you'll give you a 90% chance better to grow. Right. So it's not just that the prophet made prophecies, which were documented, that occurred later in our le- later on. Right? It's not right. that. It's that you cannot find a single prophecy of the prophet where the opposite happened. Yeah. Right. Number three, let's take it to a third level. Uh, someone makes prophecies. Great. Someone's never proven wrong. Great. Are they giving you instruction on how to live? Mm. Are they telling you there's heaven and hell? Are they giving you a rock and hard place situation? Because the Prophet Muhammad is. Yeah. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying, here's the proof. Not only that, if you don't follow this, it's eternal hell. Right? Mm. So number number three is what claim are they making? Right. Okay. So there's there. I told you guys about that woman. She's a nice, very nice woman, but she's making theological claims based on her experience that she's these angels. I can't remember what her name is. She's Irish. Okay. But my question is, okay, is she making a claim? Like, is she telling me to, to, how to live? Right. Is she saying that if I reject her, I go to hell? So there's no claim like that. So why should I care? Right. There's no consequence. Number four is the last one. All of these people who are in the business, do you have a fifth one? Okay. <laughs> All these people who are in the business of <coughs> prophecy and wizardry, mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> they are weird, okay? They're oddballs. <laughs> they have long nails. They live on the edges of society. They're not examples of life. Right. Prophet mm-hmm. Muhammad is, that, is an I example of everyday life in everything. Awesome. He ruled. Yeah. He did trade. He was uh, uh, solitary at one point in his life. He had families. He had kids. He dealt with death. He dealt with neighbors. He dealt with trade. He did with everything. Right. So on these four accounts, and we haven't even discussed the proof of the Quran, right? Right, right, right. That's why we accept the Prophet, mm-hmm. not just because there's a chain. Now within the world of accepting the Prophet, I said them in order to quote him. Now you need a chain, right? All right. So now you have a fifth one. Just that um, for Nazmo's example, there's no way that their chains would stand up to the type of scrutiny that's necessary. Not even, not even. Like it's impossible. They would be like you. There's no. It doesn't yeah. even come close, right? Yeah. I mean, the, even the Christians don't have a chain no, to their no, no, no. Yeah. Forget about Hindus e- that are talking about books 5,000 years yeah. ago, 7,000 years ago. Even even the Jewish people. I mean, no, yeah. they don't have chains. Their Bible's like was rewritten, right? Yeah. Like the yeah, yeah. There's no there's no chains of chains. And yeah. there's only one religion that has chains and I'm not really worried about that competition. <laughs> Sikhism. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not even It's an offshoot of Islam anyway. I'm not even worried about uh, it's that a heresy. And this actually Sikhism is a note on another thing too. Uh, where when Muslims are told to attack the enemy, 
Okay. In a just war, severely, right? Fight them hard. So if the war is just, fight hard. Don't like go half-hearted in it. Right? Be, be like stern and rough. So who practiced this? Aurangzeb, the Mujaddid. Rahimahullah. Right? Aurangzeb. Uh, so what did he do? His grandfather, Akbar, allowed for Sikh temples to be built because he was a heretic. What, what an inappropriate name. Yeah, I know. Well, that's what led to his heresy. I mean, led to yeah. his kufr. Yeah. He, he said... Allahu uh, Akbar. Yeah, he said, you know, that at the end of it, he was like the Trump of his time, right? <laughs> but he was like more of like an intellectual and all that stuff. People so. are like brainwashed by, about Aurangzeb. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. They're, they're like taught that he was like, you know, the, the bad yeah. ruler and Akbar was the one who was like bringing Liberal people together. Yeah. There, there's a changing narrative about that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. There was some person in Rutgers, I forget her name, Audrey Trushi or something. She wrote a book called Aurangzeb. Yeah. And she basically argued that like his image was portrayed like that by the British. Yeah. It was, it was oh like, yeah, I mean it was oh, British. Yeah, it was it was to bring you know yeah. just just strife and stuff into yeah, into, into India. So. And the people who actually have it's a safe bet to, to blame on British. <laughs> yeah, that's a safe bet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, blame the East <laughs> India sure. Company. Yeah. And, and the people who had that narrative to begin with, yeah. just as an aside, they're like one percent of people who don't matter. What matters <laughs> is the people who make dua for him every day, yeah. right? The the yeah. that pass by his grave and right. the, the mu'minin. Uh, because sometimes we in the West give more credence to people's opinions than it really matters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, Akbar allowed all these heresies to flourish. So he allowed for the Sikhs to build their temples. I don't even know if they were called Sikhs, whatever they were called. And uh, of course, we know that it was started off with a mixture of Sufi poetry and, and it's basically Gufiya, gone wild, right? Right. So he then, Aurangzeb, re- looked back at, the, at this and said, this was not built legitimately. Right, this was mm-hmm. not built properly. So he waged war and he tore them down, and they put their guys out, and he he put his army out, and they defeated them. And one thing that he said is, "Don't kill their prince, because that would be unnecessary roughness, basically. Right? <laughs> uh, that would be unnecessary, and uh, it would just inflame them more. So don't kill their elite people. Just tear down, remove the soldiers, push them aside, and tear down the temple. So." In the heat of the battle, his Aurangzeb's brother ends up killing the prince. Okay, mm. so they then swear an oath that they will never shave their hair, they will never shave their beard, they will never uh, stop ca- take hot showers again, they will never stop carrying a uh, a dagger, and they will always wear a band uh, their shield forever until they defeat the Muslims. Okay, good now, luck. Yeah. So now, what did that end up with? What did it end up with? It ended up with what we know now of Sikhism today is that they have to wear a symbolic dagger. The shield became a symbolic bracelet, right? But they do keep, and I'm sure once they came to America, they got a festival that they could take hot showers, <laughs> right? And the, but they still don't cut any hair on their but body. But they still don't cut hair, any hair on the body. So what is that? Men or women. Yeah, Some men or women. Okay. Some of them. Some of them. But well, the, the ones that follow. But yeah. enough. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what is that? What is the point here? The point is that uh, we're taught that when you apply the law properly against the enemy, that Allah will cause them to humiliate themselves. Because now, what marketing do they have, right? (laughs) When when we pass by as a kid, right? I said, alhamdulillah for Islam. Also, (laughs) it's kind of of interesting that they added bits of theology based on what another group did to them after yeah, the fact. Exactly. That's right? part of their so, well, so the whole like, thing right. is made up. Right? So did the Shia. The whole thing's made up. So, you know what? Now, the Shia are also another people, right? Now, the Shia, uh, uh, they're, they're another people who believe in this hitting on themselves. Now, look, 
I said one time to a common Muslim, a common kid came up to me one time. And he's just to show you the fitrah and what Allah brings on the tongues of people sometimes. He said to me, can you believe so-and-so says this and this and this about I said, I said, I said, you know these people need to be beaten. He turned around and said, Sheikh, they already beat themselves. So Allah has caused them to go to that extreme to humiliate. I remember growing up and, and, and seeing Shias on TV or in a documentary or something. And I said, that's us? And then my dad said, no, no, those are Shias, right? I said, alhamdulillah for Ahl right? So, so groups humiliate themselves, right? Uh, uh, the people whom Allah Ta'ala has put a curse upon. Why? Because when you claim a religion, you're making up a lie on Allah. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Or you're making a lie. On, and a heresy is a lie on the Prophet So how does Allah Ta'ala uh, give you, you talking about observable, how does Allah give you observable proof? Allah doesn't just give us rational proofs. He gives us observable proofs. Number one, Ahl Sunnah. If they're on right aqidah, right fiqh, what do they produce? Awliya. Mm. Like you want to be like them. They're beautiful, right? You really want to be like them. Now, heretics, heretics, what does Allah do? Look at every heretic. You will find something of their, on their features that's disgusting. Right? <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. No, it's absolutely true. This is true. not even subjective, right? right? Look at the, uh, find me one inspiring Wahhabi sheikh that I want to put his face, his picture up on my wall. <laughs> I can, only for the ruling Again, so uh, to, to respect the Sharia ruling that we don't put the walls of our mashaykh on the on the wall, right. right? To respect the Sharia ruling <clears throat> that there is difference of opinion on that. The bulk of them say no, we don't put pictures up on the walls. But look at the uh, look up if you're if you're listening to this, Google Marabit Ahmed Fad and tell me that's not a man of Allah. Uh, look uh, it up, sir. A long time ago, somebody was <laughs> spell this. Marabit Ahmed Fad. I saw Marabit Ahmed Fad. Ahmed Fad. Yeah. I saw a blog post a long time ago back in the blogging days. Yeah. Where somebody had posted a bunch of pictures of oh, wow. like common, commonly known uh, Sunnah sheikhs, right? So like people like uh, people like uh, Sheikh Muhammad Yaqubi, yeah. uh, Habib Omar, right? Like the the, yeah. the regular sheikh, all of them beaming. Oh my and then they also posted all of the Wahhabi sheikh, yeah. and it was like <laughs> for real, yeah. <laughs> Now I'm looking at this picture of Murabat Ahmed Fan. Look at that. MashaAllah, like beautiful. His, his 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 mustache is handsome, right? His teeth are beaming. Yeah. And they don't have dentists. <laughs> it's the Sunnah of Miswat. Yeah. Right? Look at his face. His beard is nicely kept. Like yeah. I would take him with me to school. <laughs> Do you know the, 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 the metaphor they say like uh, yeah, I like him. I want to take him with me to school, right? You know what people say that? Now these are. I don't remember that. I've never heard that. Why would you take right? Like if you're a kid, it's show and tell, right? Yeah. Oh, like okay. show and tell, okay. like that. So you, you, never, you guys I've, ever heard that? Before? No. Oh, that was common in yeah. my day, right? So now when I grew up, I grew up knowing a lot of Salafi sheikhs, right? Right. It's like I would, uh, I, I respected them because that's what I knew, but I didn't want to. My friends to see that, right? But Murabat <laughs> Ahmed Fah, I would love for someone to see it, right? I mean, subhanAllah, nails clipped, clean, crisp, <laughs> merciful, okay? Merciful, right? This is this it's is the so description merciful. of the beautification of the sunnah and yeah. the love of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as opposed to people who, for, they may be religious and they may be righteous people and they may be dedicated to <clears throat> the Quran and dedicated yeah. to their deen, but the, the like... Next level love of Rasulullah sallallahu yeah, alaihi wasallam. It's downplayed. No, totally. And even the sunnah, 
you know, it's replaced by like cultural stuff. So like yeah. you throw on one of those gortas instead of putting on a, a turban. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. a turban is what just just the yeah like the core sun of dress, right? Yeah. So let's Be- abandon it because so. Allah Taala made them abandon it so that the, the people know who's who. And when you look at now, I'm not making fun of people, Wallahi, but look up some of these videos of some of these uh, Wahhabi sheikhs. I'm telling you, that's scary. They're all memory TV is Wahhabis. <laughs> the, the Israeli, the, the Israeli propaganda thing, memory not, TV. Yeah, it's all it's all, all Wahhabi. I'm not gonna name names. I'm not gonna yeah, name names. They do their job for them. But but some of the uh, YouTube videos where the sheikh was never recorded because he didn't believe in recordings, but they have like one or two pictures. This is not something to write home about. They're witches. Let me tell you. I'm telling you, frowns, miserable, unkempt beard. Let me tell you another group. Consistently, so they were not just picking on uh, Wahhabis. We we pick on all these heretical uh, Shia videos, right? Shia videos. Gufia. A Gufia too. Gufia too. Too much stuff going on, right? And, the, and the, the, they're they're like doing weird stuff, and the sheikh is like doing power yeah. moves on them, like like windmills. That's like Street Fighter. Yeah, he's doing like Hadouken yeah. moves on them. Allah Taala humiliates those paths so that the common Muslim who doesn't think twice, he's like, oh, I ain't going there. I ain't going there. You know that my dad, uh, there was some goofy in my, that time. And my dad generally is against all uh, uh, most of Sufis, I would say, right? Because when he was young. The, there was goofy groups, and, and they had a parade one time in Egypt. In Egypt, and his dad, his dad doesn't wasn't like a man of like, <coughs> like knowledge and into these things, common sense. When my dad went and came home and he said, oh, "I ate dinner with the Rifais, right? He got beat. For, well, for the with the swords, and yeah, stuff? with all the craziness, yeah. right? So he never came near Sufis again, right? Now here's the thing: the Shia, they have videos. Of a guy, he goes on the member looking respectable. <laughs> you fast forward twenty minutes, the guy is <laughs> turbans flying off. He's halfway falling off the member. It's the guy that hit himself with a bottle, smitting himself with a bottle, a glass bottle. <laughs> he hit himself on the head. Moyen hasn't been able to contain himself for the past five minutes. I need to get my oh, point man. in. What? What Goodness. is? Why am I saying this? To show you that Allah Ta'ala, if you lie about transmission, He will humiliate you from yourself. Yeah. He will. The name Al Wajid, the divine name Al Wajid, means He brings out something from where you least expect it. Like you were just making an argument. You were just talking normally like a human being. Why are you hitting yourself with you the bottle? Into that? How is this benefiting Imam Hussein? Yeah. Huh. yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. All right. I need to get my point okay. in. It's been like 20 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to season three, okay. I guess. There you go. There you go. Um, to play contrarian here. Yeah. Huh? Right. Um, you know, what if I were to say that, hey, you know, what, what is the value of revealed knowledge because everything that I see is, you know, revealed knowledge just gives you, you know, these sectarian conflicts and you have caused all these problems in the world. It's like, why couldn't I just, why couldn't I just, you know, deal with empirical reality? Because I mean, clearly it's been working out for me. I got a job. I got a family. Talk about devil's advocate. I got, (laughs) I, you know, I, well, I mean, it's, it's a great point, right? Because that's a lot, that's what a lot of people hear, which is, Oh, all I see amongst, you know, religious people or people yeah. of revealed knowledge is, you know, just strife and sectarianism yeah. and but, you got all these problems and, you know, you got you guys hate each other. And stuff. But what? I, w- I would argue that even that like 
accusation is is not a it's not quantifiable you can't prove or disprove that statement that there's like more strife among it's anecdotal it's just based on things you you hear so like already that's that's kind of a, a statement that it doesn't have that much foundation right like you can you can argue that the the five deadliest leaders with the most kill counts were all secular leaders right and so there, like I could come up with anecdotes, anecdotes like that too. That like, oh, this this caused so much strife and it, and it caused so much uh, terror in the world. So so there's that aspect, and and I feel like the other aspect is then where are you getting guidance from? Like general, just life guidance, totally, right? Because 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 ultimately, when you're brought into this world, it's like you're you're on a moving train, right? You just find yourself on a moving train. And so like the natural questions that somebody might have when they find themselves in a situation is, A, how did I get here? What am I doing here? And now that I'm here, what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah, right? And those are three kind of questions that I feel like just a an existence that's just based on, you know, like you said, mentioned just a routine of like, hey, I go to that's work excellent. and I do these things and I and I, you know, provide for my family. Fine, it gives me happiness, all these things. But it still ultimately doesn't address those three questions and I feel like if you don't address those three questions then that stuff becomes inherently meaningless anyway because it's like yeah. why are you doing all that when you know eventually you're gonna die your kids are gonna die everybody's gonna die the heat death of the universe is gonna destroy and and and, and <laughs> it's, 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 from now, yeah, it's gonna destroy yeah. everything right but but like then nothing has any import or, right origins purpose of life destination well but, the thing but is, what, what if all this material success is a veil that's all it is. But what if I was to say that, I, you know, that doesn't because all I see is, well, you know, I, I don't know what to tell somebody like that, except yeah. good luck. Yeah, but because many, many because the three things that we just said also answer many legal quandaries. Right. Which are the causes of major cultural wars. Yeah. Like, for example, abortion. OK. And if if we had a Sharia basis for it, right, <laughs> you would know one piece of information, which is the cause of the whole uh, cultural Divide on abortion, which is when does life start? Yeah. We only get that from Revelation, 120 days, right? So now we know the difference between murder and abortion, okay? Right. Or, or murder and, you know, the other thing, which is, well, I don't know, what, 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 would we, what would we call that? Yeah. Or abortion that is not murder, right? Mm -hmm. Okay? Which uh, <coughs> before in 120 days could be, could be sinful, yeah. could be major sin, minor sin, it's debatable, but it's not murder. Yeah. Right. After 120 days, is murder, right? Uh, even so beyond, even beyond, uh, like the let's that the abortion example, I would say it's still even very difficult to separate modern so-called like humanist or secular values or ways of living from some type of uh, revealed origin, right? Well, of course. So, yeah. so the, it's the, it's very hard to tease that out. You can. You can make a claim that like, hey, I'm good. I don't need revelation. I can live my life in this way. But, in, but indirectly, you've already adopted a lot of things and a lot of viewpoints that are basically directly due to revelation. It's like, why don't I? That's why don't true. people kill other people? Why all these things that yeah. I guess we consider now, moral decisions? I, they have their roots in some sort of revelation. Otherwise, I could just do what I want. Yeah. Uh, if you know, if you if you thought about it, if you think about it. In, materialist ideas are in a sense inherently incoherent in the sense that uh, if you devote yourself to thinking to thinking about <coughs> atheism for example right. and you come to the conclusion of atheism it only leads you to the fact that atheism is not important if you come to the point that the conclusion that there is nothing except the material that 
then the, this conclusion necessitates that even your past thinking was not important, right? Yeah. It meant nothing. So nothing means anything. Yeah, no you you deny you deny consciousness, right? Yeah. So if if you're a materialist, so this is Daniel but Dennett. Consciousness yeah. was used to drive at that. Right, 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 right. So Daniel Dennett is like consciousness is an illusion, but somebody responded like, but an illusion is a conscious experience. So you have to <laughs> <Right. laughs> so, yeah. so so exactly. He's, he's a fake I think philosopher. Moeen, what, yeah. what what you're mentioning, right? Like where if if people come with that angle of like, hey, like it, it doesn't really matter. A lot of times, it's a case of not taking what they actually believe to is logical extreme, well, which is which is thing. some of those things that, that you end up getting that like Nosmo yeah. mentioned is that like you start denying these very basic things, but it's not everybody takes it to that logical conclusion. They don't right. take their, their ideology or how they live their life or whatever philosophy they have to its natural end. And so I mean, they stop short of that. Yeah, so the the person that Moeen is bringing up is is a person that's not going into to that. He's not going into the depth. The level of detail. Right, he's not now. thinking about By the way, a lot of religious people are like that. Mm -hmm. They're not really considering the sources of the religion and the reality. They're just following what they're following. Yeah. The yeah. person that Moeen is giving as an example is somebody who's like a materialist, and he's just mm -hmm. following what he's following, and he's like, look, I have material success. I have. I live in the West. Yeah. I have all these advantages. Things are good. This is why Kofor is rampant in Europe, because Europe was successful for a long time. This is automatic. And, and, and now, to, now to play another contrarian point of view, which is, you know... <clears throat> You, you get you know the, we made the argument that you know that revealed knowledge is is beneficial and it provides guidance and all of these other things okay great you know uh two questions two two parts of this question the first is you know why couldn't revealed knowledge go to anybody right mm -hmm. why does it have to go to you know x profit or y profit or whoever it may be why does it have to come from a certain source and the second question is you know well, a lot of different religions claim these <laughs> mystical experiences, right? Wait, is this a like we're that's a that's a very broad question, right? Well, I mean, uh, maybe yeah. we can get into it, but okay, like, so for example, a, lo a lot of a lot of religions claim like mystical experiences. You know, why trust one over the other? Some of them well, might re be real. There's a great article well, on it. Well, just just because you have a mystical experience doesn't mean you interpret it correctly. That's correct, right? right. Like because you, you could, don't have the right theology. Yeah, like for example, you could get punched, and you you could think, oh, I didn't really get punched. So somebody just keeps yeah. punching you, and then no, you get knocked well, out. Well, here's, <laughs> like, like, well, here's you, something. No, but you're yeah. talking about people like John of the Cross, right? Uh, Meister Eckhart, people who, yeah. like Christian mystics, who had yeah. mystical experiences, yeah. and they've interpreted them completely the wrong well, way. exactly, right. Yeah, mystical experiences also, by the way, uh, how do we come to learn about them? For them, it's an experience. For us, it's transmitted knowledge. Right. Transmitted knowledge from who? who? From the one who experienced it. Well, that's subjective then. Mm-hmm. Right, mm -hmm. so it's like uh, no different than yeah. saying, "Hey, I saw X, Y, and Z. Well, why should I believe you? Who are you?" Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. it's in a sense for us, it's it's nothing <coughs> other than a transmission, and a transmission from what, from the only person who yeah. experienced it is subjective. Right. So mm -hmm. the other question, answer to your question, which was, um, well, why would it have to come to that particular prophet or that particular person? Is that well, okay, if hypothetically you could concede that there is a creator who's going to give a message. Right. Is he going to give the message to two different people? Then who are we, <coughs> are we going to listen to? Right. Right. You need to only give it to one. That's why every country has one ambassador because communication must happen like that. Yeah. Right. Communication and, and systems organization order. Right. Yeah. Requires oneness. Right. Okay. And this is known. So that's the one. So if he's going to be, if it's going to be one, then whomever it was given to, the same question would pop up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. The same question would crop up. So, 
Also, I mean, <clears throat> to answer, maybe maybe this answers your question, Wayne. Maybe it doesn't. But um, it's not my question list. No, no, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Sorry. <laughs> so let's let's say the hypothetical question, right? Um, that that somebody might pose. That's not mine. <laughs> um, uh, I feel like another component of that is is we don't necessarily base our belief on like magical and mystical happenings, right? Like that's not like the foundation of of belief. And so, you know, other other streams of, of, of thought and other religions could could have could have these experiences and they can claim that like, hey, no th- this stuff happened. Yeah. But but that doesn't have any bearing on <clears throat> our central belief. Yeah. Right. And I feel like it, with respect to those three questions that I that I posed earlier of like, how did I get here now that I'm here? What do I do? Like, why am I here? The how did I get here? You can arrive at that in some sense rationally right that there is a god and that he created all these things but the other two things you can only really get yes, from guidance right, right. so what so, you're saying is yeah so the idea of the existence right. of god is rationally is rationally you can, you can arrive at that you can arrive at that but you can't arrive you don't at know what he wants you to do exactly, without right. without guidance without some revelation don't know what's right where you're going and, right and by the way in terms of uh, mystical experiences we actually don't deny that Allah Ta'ala can answer the prayers of Kafirs, right? Mm-hmm. The, 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 Allah Ta'ala, He gives the sun to everyone. He gives water to everyone. Everyone can smile. Everyone laughs. Everyone has kids. Everyone enjoys company, right? Like, why? Because Allah is merciful. He is kind. And also, we need to live in this world, right? Everyone needs to survive. How can you survive be so miserable? The human race wouldn't have continued for this human species. Uh, Imam Abu Hanifa makes it very clear. Allah... <coughs> says in the Quran, right? He he answers okay, the desperate when he calls on him. He didn't say the desperate believer. Mm-hmm. So the idea of answered prayers, which definitely exists in Christianity, it does not mean you don't make the leap that my prayer was answered. Therefore, everything about me is correct, including right. my theology. No, we don't believe in that. We say, good, God answered you because He's kind. Doesn't necessarily mean you're correct in what you understand about it. Mm-hmm. So and to that, to just quickly, I just wanted to read a couple of sentences to that end. Um, this is from something Sheikh Noor wrote, uh, Islam, mysticism, and other religions. And it's, despite the abrogation of their religions, we do not doubt the possibility of mystics of other faiths reaching a higher spiritual plane. For when the lower soul is negated and sublimated by spiritual disciplines, the powers of the higher soul sen- seldom fail to appear. And it is not impossible that in such a condition it might behold ultimate reality which is, after all, as real and objective as Detroit or anything else in the physical world. Mm. But what a difference between the few hundred Jewish, Christian, or even American <coughs> Indian mystics of the Western tradition who left any record of their experiences, and he names a few, and the literally thousands of Sufi masters of the Islamic tradition who founded the great mystical orders had immense influence for centuries at all levels of society, produced an unparalleled and monumental body of mystic literature and poetry and prose, and left countless adepts in the beatitude of the divine presence, a living tradition that continues to this day. What other religion has ever seen a Mathnawi like Rumi's? <coughs> There's a tremendous difference between a few outstanding spiritual personalities that appeared at times and places in the West, like occasional watering places scattered across a hinterland, and the throngs of mystics that the Islamic milieu on a sea of divine, and the throngs of mystics of the Islamic milieu on a sea of the divine whose tides flooded regularly. Mm. So, so even on that aspect of <coughs> We got if, the numbers baby Yeah. If, <laughs> if we're going to admit That every time you put your ego down And you put your carnal element down 
then the higher realities of the unseen, they become apparent. If they become apparent, let's say we admit that. All right. Well, let's see who has done it better. Then, right. Mm-hmm. So, and that's basically what so. Uh, that's not even a problem. Mystical experiences. Mm-hmm. It's only people who uh, who don't understand that who fall into. Well, therefore, they make the leap. Therefore, all religions must be equal, mm-hmm. and it's perennialism. That's the that's yeah. the origin of perennialism. Is that it if is you actually. look at those Kufia. guys? Yeah, it's Kufia. Yeah. They were a bunch of young guys. All of the leaders were a bunch of young guys. They followed the quack Fritz Schwan, who was like a mystic, but he was just like his in his own way, right? Yeah. And he had his own experiences and whatever. And they imagine then that everything that this man says is true. Right? right, it's exactly. like you know what it's like saying Arnold Schwarzenegger was a great bodybuilder, <clears throat> therefore everything about biology that he says is true, anatomy that he says is true, nutrition, right. whatever, nutrition. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not that's not the case. Right, exactly. I, j- I just want to jump in uh, with this idea about mysticism. See the fact that so many people have experienced um, something beyond the world, or have seen the world as a whole, or whatever, like this mystical experience. It actually proves that. Uh, that empirical knowledge is not the only thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, for sure. It actually proves that there's something called revealed knowledge, right? Like or that uh, there's an unseen. Uh, there's an unseen, right? No. And, this, and, and this, the, the kafir in this example is a different kafir than the kafir. Yeah. Why are you pointing at me? No, you gave the example. I'm not. Right, right, right. I'm not, I'm so, not so, so like what? So for example, Kant. One of the reasons that uh, he says religion has a problem, right, is because. Uh, uh, all these people have the same mystical experience and they, their arguments, you know, are mutually, you know, both uh, both of them, like they're two arguments that are exactly the same strength. This guy said he saw Vishnu. Yeah. This other guy said well, he, he saw... Here, here's something. Yeah, here, but here's... Yeah, go on. Uh, sorry, you want to... I was just going to say yeah. we have to uh, remember that uh, Kant's... What Kant's talking about religion, he's talking about Christianity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Which is a religion that has no chain of transmission. Right, right. Right and a lot of other mm-hmm. issues that Islam didn't have. Yeah. But, and but he the, knew a little bit yeah. about Islam, but from a completely Orientalist background. Yeah, uh, but the the thing is that the main thing is that their argument is because so many people have had mystical experiences and they come to different conclusions. Let's reject all of religion. Yeah, of course. Now, now this doesn't make any logical sense, yeah, because right? Because people all have right, right. the same brains. Uh, exactly same right. Rational. Exactly. So, for example, philosophy, right? No two philosophers agree with each other. Yeah. So let's reject philosophy. Let's reject right? Actually, exactly. That, sound, that makes sense. Yeah. So, so this, <laughs> so it must mean it doesn't mean that let's reject religion. It means that somebody's had the right experience and they have interpreted correctly, yeah, right? Sure. And and the thing, the one of the things that I find amazing about Islam is that it's it doesn't claim to be new, right? Mm-hmm. It um, I forget uh, one of Sheikh Hamza's shuyuk, like they had a lecture. He said something along the lines of like all the prophets agree with each other. Yeah. On the thing that's important, but all the philosophers disagree. That's true. <laughs> right? <laughs> so so the, the prophets yeah. are, are, are on the same line. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, oh, right. like, yeah. it's mystical experiences being confirmed all throughout history, the same exact thing, right? And like, yeah. yeah. yeah so. To get to, to the heart of the first part that you asked about why revelation to these and others, well, first you have to know about the rules of what makes a prophet, right? And why? Mm-hmm. Why are those rules important? Why right. are the requirements there? Because, yeah, why would Allah send revelation to somebody like me? It'd be a waste of revelation, <laughs> right? Like I'm not, I'm not, I don't have the characteristics of Balagha. I'm not, yeah. I'm not convincing people, right? Like it's not, it just would not be worth it, right? right? It would be a total right. waste. So you have to give it to somebody who's worthy of it, right? Yeah. To 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 quote uh, Shane Nuhan something like that. He said, 
when the king sends an ambassador, he doesn't send a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> you send the very best person that you have, right? right? And so the best of creation is the, the last of the messengers because yeah. it's the message for all of mankind. Mm-hmm. And the messengers who preceded him were better than any other human being besides him. So Allah and, and, so and the oftentimes people ask the question of, well, why doesn't he keep sending the prophets, right? Mm-hmm. It's done. Well, we say, we say to them, well, wouldn't he have to eventually, everything has an end, right? Yeah. So if you're in your suggestion, even in your suggestion, whatever you suggest, there would be an end. There would be a time where Allah no, says, no. I guess every generation has to have their yeah. own one to be. Hey, guys, remember, yeah. <laughs> it's just exactly. it's silliness. Yeah. So um, I'm sorry. And then uh, the, the, the other part of that. Actually, forget. Yeah. I, I, I just go ahead. I, ah. Islam, Islam, uh, and you know, I, as a convert, I can tell you this because this is part of what motivated me to be a Muslim and to and to remain in this deen is that Islam is the only religion that explains why there's multiple religions. Mm-hmm. Exactly, it acknowledges the Number multiplicity one. of religions mm-hmm. yes. and gives yep. you a rational reason why they would be and yep. why there yes. would be differences yeah. between them. Yeah. And explains you uh, how to understand their mystic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mystics. exactly. Yeah. And it's the only religion that mm-hmm. also gives a pass to the people who were unable to get uh, yep. the, the, this Correct. revelation, right? Correct. The rest of them, they're all exclusive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You ask a Christian, yeah. what happens to people that live in the Amazon that never heard of Jesus? Too yeah. bad, hellfire. It's a stupid answer. Well, they just else. make something up. Let me yeah. give you something else. There's no theology like Islam's that gives credence and power to willpower more than, uh, more than Islam. Yeah. Let's take a look at Judaism. You're either born into it or you're not. Right. So it's accident of birth. Hinduism as well. Yeah. Let's look at Christianity. Christianity, you're damned by original sin. Hey, I didn't do it, mm. right? Someone else did it. And then you're saved because of someone else too. <laughs> yeah. So wait a second. I just got damned and I got saved. I'm like a spectator here, right? So Adam yeah. took the original sin, of course, for their statement, right? And then Jesus got on the cross and I'm watching and I'm like, okay, like I didn't do anything, right? Well, you did. You were lucky enough to be born to parents that baptized and then, you. And then now that you're saved, why do you have to do anything? Exactly. Why do I need to do anything? So I got damned. I didn't do anything. I got damned. Right. I didn't do anything. I got saved. And I'm still not going to do anything, right? Because all I have to do yeah. is believe. Right. So now let's go to Islam. The Prophet said, said, you know that in Islam, if an angel... I mean, there is purgatory. Yeah. Sorry. If an, if an, if an angel came down and said, uh, all of you guys, here is uh, Allah has permitted me to show you your book of deeds, okay? And all of you are damned to hell. If an angel came down with that, you know what the Prophet said? He said, He said, nothing will repel what the destiny that's written for you except dua. So even if an angel came down and, and damned you and showed, told you, you are damned. I saw it in the book of deeds, in the book of destiny, right? The Prophet is telling you, even that, your dua can change it. Because qada is any bad news, right? And importance of the future, right? The things that are going to happen in the future. He's, the Prophet said, your prayer can push it back. And the Prophet has another hadith that said, Is that means qadar, bad things that are going to happen, are, are, will come down, right? They come down from the skies and as when you when you meet that qadar on the timeline, it happens, right? Prophet said, you throw up dua, you put up dua, right? It will wrestle with that qadar until the day of judgment. Meaning, you'll pass it. You'll pass under it. Your dua will act as an umbrella for you from this qadr. That's the power of dua. So here you have two religions, previously, and you said Hinduism too, okay, that there's no free will at this point in terms of saving myself. You're either born into it or not in Judaism. 
And in Christianity, I was damned and then saved, okay, by something that I didn't do. And here we have in Islam, even if an angel told you you're damned, you can save yourself by your own dua. Right? So, I mean, the, 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 the power of free will is so critical. There you go. And so, so my last point, and I think we can end on this because I think we're hitting time. Yeah. Um, in the beginning of the podcast, you mentioned you know, that there is a realm of theology and there is the realm of the jurist. Right, mm-hmm. uh, and and Islam balances both of these, you know, very well. Mm-hmm. Which is that you know you have things like, for example, the ball hitting a window, and you know you have this assumed causation. However, in the mind of the jurist, right, you have actual real rulings that apply. It's actionable. Right, it's actionable rulings. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the deen, or you know, if if someone was looking at revealed knowledge versus <clears throat> empirical knowledge, how do we reconcile both of these? You know, when it comes to the realm of the jurist and the realm of the theologian say the question again if you, right. when it comes to how do, you, how do you reconcile you know what is more important it, is it the realm of you know the the revealed knowledge the theology this is a question someone might ask by hearing those points or is is the the realm of the jurist more important what happens in the real world does that my question make sense yeah i know what you mean mm-hmm. i would say that i mean they they're, they have to be in in equipoise right yeah. like right. you need you need you need both of them in order to function in the world you need but you, Without the theologian, you can't get to the the fic doesn't matter. Right, right, right. So, but and and actually, outside I, I, on this, I'll go with the side. You have to know your aqidah, and your aqidah you can't just take by by. Uh, you can't just do taklid. You have to actually learn mm-hmm. it and know it, right? So theology is actually more fundamental and basic, mm-hmm. because as long as you know yeah. what you're supposed to believe, even if you don't do any of it. You're better off than someone who's doing it right. and has the wrong belief, like an like yeah. like a Kaliani or somebody. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would the way I would answer it is in two ways. Number one, theology is over fiqh. Aqidah is more important than fiqh. That's mm-hmm. the first thing because uh, beliefs are more important than actions because beliefs is something you die with. Actions end with your death. Uh, beliefs is something you have all the time. Actions you only do when you do them. That's the first thing. The second thing is that our theology rests upon reason and observation. If you look at uh, something like the Kalam cosmological argument, what uh, anything that has uh, uh, that, that, uh, begin, that begins to exist must have a cause. The universe began to exist, therefore the universe has a cause. That, therefore that, uh, and that cause must be causeless in, outside of time, space, materiality, cause and effect, right? So all of that. That whole idea is based upon reason, right? basic rules of logic and observation mm-hmm. basic what i see in the world it leads me to believe that their god exists also the prophet belief in the prophet mm-hmm. is based in reason right it is based in reason it's not just based in feeling family <coughs> mystical experience it's not based on those things it's based in what we just said the proofs of his prophecies mm-hmm. and we can draw a lot of those from the quran too right but we just just though the what i said earlier about prophecy what is that that's a logical argument right because mm-hmm. it says to me how else do you explain this? Is he is he making stuff up? There's no other way to explain it except that he's actually truthful, right? right. So we say, and and Fakhr al-Razi's whole thesis and his whole argument against uh, and his debate with Ibn Taymiyyah, okay, Al-Fakhr al-Razi and Ibn Taymiyyah obviously came after him and, and debated him uh, or in that time. But actually, could you look up their death dates, Fakhr al-Razi and Ibn Taymiyyah? The whole basis of Fakhr al-Razi is that our religion is based upon logical and observable 
basis. Shouldn't shouldn't Nazmul know him in ten years? There, the twelve ten. I think who was that? Fakhruddin Razi. Al Fakhr Razi, twelve ten. Ibn Taymiyyah is later, I think. And Ibn Taymiyyah came. He's born. He's born twelve sixty three. Ibn Taymiyyah was born twelve sixty three, so he's way late. So Al Ibn Taymiyyah refuted. He sought to refute Al Fakhr Razi. Allegedly. Allegedly. Now, by the way, you know what my 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 thesis on Ibn Taymiyyah is. He refuted them, but you know why he was such a great writer? Because he's trained by the Ash'aris. That's yeah. why. Yeah, he yeah. was so powerful. He was powerful. You cannot deny that Ibn Taymiyyah is powerful. Ibn Taymiyyah is, is he's almost like Sheikh Al-Akbar yeah. um, mm-hmm. in terms of being like, there's no, nobody, he didn't follow anybody else's yeah. and he didn't, he didn't really leave any real followers. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. Uh, as I, if I was reading through Sherman Jackson's book on, um, his chapter on traditionalism, which he goes over Ibn Taymiyyah, like some parts of his theology are kind of like Ibn Arabi's, and people, you know, people don't talk about that. Maybe it's a good PhD dissertation. I mean, this is what happens when, <laughs> you're, <laughs> when you're like <laughs> a next level genius yeah, yeah, Sufi. Yeah, yeah, you start coming up with your own stuff. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, Ibn Arabi. This is where they're similar. Yeah. Ibn, Ibn Taymiyyah said uh, he argues against the idea of allegory, right, to the divine attributes, mm-hmm. right. Guess who else does? Ibn Arabi says, "Yes, you're the allegory." Right? Oh <laughs> snap! <laughs> he says, "Yes, the divine hand—that's real, and your hand is the allegory." Mm-hmm. Right? So it's the mystical version. By the way, you right? know who else argued against uh, allegorical? F- forget about the yeah. the divine attributes that are, can be uh, uh, changed to like body parts or whatever. Yeah. But even ideas like mercy. Yeah. And but this is also an Ibn Taymiyyah position, right? Uh, Maimonides. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so he, who did he take it from? Because he took a he lot. He took it from the Muslims. Yeah, he took yeah. a lot from the Muslims. He, he took it from the Muslims. Yeah. And, and ended up, what it ends up doing is there's, he, they get to the point where they go, no, either God doesn't have mercy yeah. because human beings are merciful, or what we think is mercy in human beings is something else because they yeah. can't share in that attribute. They, it becomes a co sharer yeah. with Allah. Maimonides, Maimonides uh, uh, the Rambam, they call him the Rabbi Moses Rambam. Ben Maimonides. Yeah, Rabbi Moses <laughs> Ben Maimonides, right? Ah. They call him the Rambam. So he is... Uh, <laughs> is that like Nak? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? Is that like... So the Rambam was from Andalusia. And uh, he actually ring became... Name. He became one of the doctors of Salah Ayyubi. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The Rambam. Yeah. That's why there's hospitals man- named after him. Maimonides in New York, hospital, yeah. Right? Because he was a doctor. And it's I, a polymath. In Yale, I had two uh, Jewish students, and and one day they came early, and I was the only one there in class. So I just struck up a conversation, and I said, "What do you guys? Uh, what about the Maimonides? Right? Do you guys study Maimonides? Because they were Orthodox, and Orthodox Jews are very strict." So. They said, no, no, he's uh, not accepted. He's a heretic, right? <laughs> I said, how? He said, uh, well, his theology, he borrowed from the Muslims. Mm. I said, like, what, though? He's, he's, they said, the idea of obligations in, in doctrine, uh-huh. the concept that there is uh, obligatory beliefs, he included in it the belief in the afterlife. Right. Right. Oh. And they actually said uh, that no, and then the, one of the, the, uh, the other students said, well, there's a verse in the Torah that maybe you could stretch it that there's an afterlife. But the idea that the afterlife is an obligatory belief, right? They considered that a heresy that they don't take from him anymore. That's interesting, right? And so it's liberal Jews who like call him the ram, uh, that name the hospital. <laughs> the Orthodox actually don't observe him. Yeah. So that's all. But the whole point is that uh, you have something to say, right? Sorry? Yeah, I was just okay. going to add to to what. Uh, so I was just going to say the whole point. 
Talk shit. That's great. That's amazing. No, please. Like, it's just let him talk please. and then. No. Oh, but. Yeah, yeah. No, that was great. What you say is yeah. meaningless. Yeah, yeah. It is, though. I mean, to be fair. No, the whole point is that the uh, our belief is not a blind belief. No, there's right. no blind step. Let's take a leap. Let's just believe in the problem. No, there's a rational basis. The more you study, the more you come to this rational idea that Allah is messenger. This is not some kind of a blind uh, leap of faith. No, I, Absolutely I don't, I not. Actually, the more I've studied, the more I actually, when you truly define a belief yeah. as something right. that you believe to be true without any rational, revealed, or empirical evidence, you actually come to hate beliefs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You hate beliefs mm-hmm. because beliefs have no basis. They're superstitions. Well, to, right. to bring it all back, right. that's what Hume said that empirical knowledge is. It's yeah. just a belief formed yeah. on yeah. on the basis right. of what I think is going to yeah. happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I was going to add um, was coming back to what Moeen said about, I guess, the balance between like theology and jurisprudence. From a, like, let's take the example of prayer. The way I look at it is, you know, from a theological perspective, you can learn why you need to pray, but it's only from the uh, juristic perspective that you need to know the conditions and integrals required for performing the prayer. Transmitted. Right. So, so that's kind of, I feel like, you know, you have to have those two things in balance. Otherwise, you know, belief and action then are just, you can't even correlate the two things. Yeah. And, and to answer a part of my question myself is, uh, uh, um, I mean, even in the study of Aqidah, right? Aqidah's other name is Fiqhul Akbar, right? It's, right it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's actually a, subs, a subset yeah, of right. the study of fiqh, right? It's right. the greater fiqh. Yep. So you learn it before you even get into the subject exactly. of fiqh. Yep. Um, and so uh, I think we're hitting like a good amount of time. I think this is a we're good place to wrap up. Yeah, we're going to wrap up. Let me just close with one thing since uh, Ibn Taymiyyah, okay, Rahimahullah, uh, came up in the conversation. Now you guys, I don't know if you, you're all, you guys are all off, but I just want to address this um, sort of silliness, in my opinion, that went on that on my page oh, it was quoted. I didn't. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. Now I've been offline for a long time writing uh, course work, course right? Doing so the actual work yeah. from from Hedge on from Hedge time until just like t- oh, last week, I was pretty much offline the whole time. Now someone uh, came upon the idea. A friend came and said, "Listen, while you're offline, I know someone." Who could help you out, right? Who could help make, do posts for you, right? So just like announcements and stuff. Yeah, like announcements or take old like older PR posts, manager. right? Re- repost uh, them. Like take a clip from an yeah. older post, yeah. Right, put it up there. Now, at some point, though, uh, this individual then uh, put up a post which said Sheikh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah Rahimullah said, and it was something like totally normal, right? Mm-hmm. And they must have seen it somewhere, and they just assumed that I'd be fine with it, and they put it up there, right? So. Uh, a, a lot of a lot of others got so, uh, you know, sort of bent out of shape, right? That I just merely quoted Ibn Taymiyyah, <laughs> right? And then, and then now some people said they they had a problem with the quote. Second people had a problem with the term Sheikh Islam. Then other ones said Rahimahullah. So I I would say okay, look, if we're really want to be about technically fine, Sheikh is enough. Right, because Sheikh Islam might I- imply everything about what he said is correct, mm-hmm. which I don't believe. Right. I do believe mm-hmm. that the uh, uh, there there were differences that are mm-hmm. fundamental and issues of aqidah. Right, mm-hmm. fine. Sheikh is fine. Sheikh, I mean, Sheikh. I mean, you can call men on the side of the road, Sheikh. Right? <laughs> <laughs> My name's Sheikh. Yeah. Okay. His name's Sheikh. Yeah. So uh, Sheikh is fine. 
Sheikh al-Islam, fine. Well, we can, you can that say that that has an implication, fine. But some people had a problem with saying Rahimahullah, right? So what do you, what do you want them to say? Curse them? They want to put him outside of Islam. Yeah. Right, so it's ridiculous. Uh, I'm not into extremes, right? <laughs> this is an extreme. <laughs> right. And you want to say that he's a kafir? That is way off from where I'm going. Yeah. I'm not even going near that. That's beyond and, those pay grades. And you know what? <laughs> yeah, and you know who I make taqlid? If I had to make taqlid, taqlid uh, on an issue that I don't know about and I'm not going to research, is Imam Sealti. How's that? Hmm. I mean, which scholar of Ahdassan or Jama'ah will negate and have any criticism? Of Imam Asiyuti. Imam Asiyuti says, Shaykh al-Islam had the qualifications to be a mujtahid. He had the knowledge to be a mujtahid, despite some errors that he made on the divine attributes and his whole thesis on uh, reason and revelation. Right? That's Imam Asiyuti. Right? That's the right way to do things, right? Rather than going to some, to, to an extreme. Also, right? you have to ask, what do, what do people alive today care? Yeah. Why do you <laughs> right, care right, right. Exactly. about what the fate of this uh, scholar from mm -hmm. you know a thousand almost a thousand years ago now yeah. what do you care yeah and 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 we have I have made it uh, my positions on issues of doctrine so clear on this podcast on my Facebook page on Twitter right I have on the at divine attributes on the Asha'ad and who they are I've made that so crystal clear like we have a saying in America okay only Nixon could go to China right means that someone who has been so right wing and so hawkish could meet with the enemy, right? And I'm not even saying that they're the enemy. And the Salafi brothers, they're not my of today that are sort of like cooled it down. We've said this before. Yeah, right? they're, not, they're, they're not my enemies, right? <laughs> they might be someone else's enemies who are extreme in some extreme parts, right? But are, are the, the, the American imams who are sort of Salafi leaning or what have you? Uh, well, they're not our enemies. They're they're okay. They have that belief. And they don't even delve into it and go into it. So the situation in America is a very different situation in, in Birmingham. In Birmingham. Let's just say it outright. Oh, gosh. America is not Birmingham. Whatever happened to assuming the, the best of your brothers? Like, if there's an interpretation that's better, take that one and stop. Exactly. Right. Just leave it alone. I'm I'm off I'm off all uh, social media. Too. That's I, actually good. I quit honest. I quit a few weeks ago yeah, after yeah. after yeah. some back and forth about uh, like it's, it's a, a similar like Listen, somebody was like you oh how can they say this about that you only stand to gain. Like, who, who went after? You? <laughs> Nobody went or after me. We just had a discussion about it was a it was a thing. Somebody was hosting a conference and they gave like an honorific to somebody who doesn't deserve it. Oh yeah, yeah. legitimately mm -hmm. doesn't yeah. deserve it. But just assume. Yeah. That they did it for a good reason, or that, or is it a mistake? I'm telling you, there are there are even if it's a mistake, let it. Go. What, what do you got to yeah. make a big deal about? Yeah, it? there are there are PR online mm -hmm. internet mistakes that happen all mm -hmm. the time, yeah. and a big organization like that, uh, big organizations also have mistakes, right? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a mainstream Ahle Sunnah Sunni Muslim because yeah. of the people in that organization. Yeah, absolutely. So give yeah. me a break, yeah. mm -hmm. and give and give your elders some yeah. benefit of that. By yeah. the way, I was with Imam Zaid that whole weekend. Right where they got on him for that uh, Elijah Muhammad, they got on him for his other issues. I was with him the whole time. He explained these things. Right, he said, uh, "I didn't even agree uh, that that most of the people we didn't even agree, like want to be on the talk. They rented the space, yeah, and they wanted to just talk about the historical effects. Nobody, they, they we said you could advertise it, and they didn't uh, know that they're going to put the honorable. And and you know, by the way, the honor of Elijah Muhammad, that's actually like 
That was my argument. Yeah. It's just, it's like somebody's a priest, uh, 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 a priest in Anglican, you call him the most reverend. Yeah. I mean, yeah. everybody says yeah. Alexander. Doesn't mean that he's Alexander yeah. the Great. Exactly. Yeah. Doesn't mean you're, made, you're a Catholic for yeah. saying Alexander the Great. Yeah. I mean, that's, so that's and that, and that's everybody says Mahatma Gandhi. Even if it's, Gandhi, right? even like, if it's 100% wrong, wrong mm-hmm. yeah. even if it's 100% exactly. wrong. Yeah. So what? This pe- these people are better than you anyway. Yeah. The Sheh Hamza? Yeah. I don't have to agree with everything that they do, but come on, man. Also, mm-hmm. they're men in their fifties and sixties. So that's the thing. Have there, there comes a point. Ha- there. Have have some 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 modesty about your young age and, and how do you express yourself? Yeah, so right, right. It's like it's like Mahatma Gandhi. It's like Mahatma is just what does like, Mahatma mean? It's like just like a form of reverence. It's like uh, mm-hmm. the great. Yeah. You know that my kids uh, go. Uh, I probably I don't know if they have the Muslim kids a lot, but they get so confused by some names. Like uh, we're talking about India. My daughter said, uh, "What about Muhammad Gandhi?" Muhammad Gandhi. Muhammad Gandhi. And you know who else they got totally confused with? Uh, Sayyidina Ibrahim Lincoln. They, oh, they saw man. his face. Yeah. Like, he, looks he looks like, like a Hanafi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Um, so, so my one of my last things that I put up before I quit Twitter was, you know that Shahamza is a Kentucky t- colonel, which is like a thing that the state of Kentucky does. They 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 give you an honorary title as mm-hmm. a, a colonel under the state for okay. for like yeah. public service and uh, contributions to society. Order, like, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the colonel from KFC, that's yeah. the kind of like, colonel he that's was. That's what I mean, like Colonel Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> so the the practice when you're when you get it, that honorific, it's just like if you're the mayor or a governor or something like that, you're referred to as the honorable. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's in that whole mess, I was like, it would be appropriate and customary to refer yeah. to him as the honorable <laughs> Sheikh Hamza Yusuf. <laughs> the, you know, Imam Zaid actually put out a what do you call it, an article like addressing all these points like yeah. just recently oh, really? like yeah i actually thought it was problematic when they when it initially happened because there this was is all the this kind of people i'm dealing with on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 i mean uh, but then like he said he actually said like that he himself didn't agree with it and also like this um using that term didn't imply anything about him because everybody who knows who Elijah Muhammad is would not be confused that that's Islam right yeah, this is my so, whole yeah, 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 like right. itself exactly yeah. right right number one yeah. nobody no of course we don't like uh, we of course we don't honor him we don't think highly of him mm-hmm. we, he was a he was more than a kafir right he was somebody who claimed prophethood he was uh, right so we leave that alone but we also know that that's just an official title right yeah. And I'm not flipping. I'm not going to flip like out. I'm not going to yeah. flip out if somebody goes to speak at a masjid and yeah. we advertise and go the most reverend so and so, and they'd be like, "What? He uh, worships sure. a man. I mean, yeah. if he's every, a mushrik. If yeah. Like, come if, on. If man. everything's that literal, then it's like you can't even use like the days, the names of the days of the week. Right. Well, you can't say Thursday. You can't say, you can't say, you can't say Odin's say, day. So it's like all those people. Like, what? Are you, what are you doing then well, at that point? You're taking it literally. Like Hassan al Basri, Imam Hassan Basri says, "Give your Muslim seventy-three excuses." Seventy-three right. excuses. So we yeah. have to think about that right. when it comes to a post. This is a post. This is not a policy. This is not a theological essay that he wrote, right? Not to mention it's that it's a post. The end so of just have a yeah. post uh, about the end of the end of the end of that of that saying is also. And if you don't find it, no, accept that the 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 issue is with you're the one with the problem, not yeah. your brother. How, how about yeah? Seven, and, and, and look and for seventy, and if you can't find it, it's you. Yeah, and and we're not talking about a random person. We're not talking about a, someone with a bad track record. We are talking about people who have done khidma of deen for 30 and 40 years. Mm. Okay? So they have a track record of trying to be on the truth and of being on the truth. So we're not talking about someone like Reza Aslan who has the opposite <laughs> track record, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So we're not talking about that. So let's go to House of Fun and have uh, and, and, yeah. and not forget. And let's let Moeen get out of here. All right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I was just going to say just to close it off, you know, what the the 100 square miles of Birmingham is not the 
the <laughs> you know the it is all. a hot spot though man <laughs> that that the, so they've got everything there we do have a lot of listeners from Birmingham but I just want to say that not Mufti Abu Leif right <laughs> <laughs> no. I, the, do you call him a Mufti I'm a Kafir now yeah. I shouldn't even call him Abu Leif <laughs> see I, I you know the the cultural landscape and the understanding of American Muslims and I, I would even say if you went even deep like if you went to Philadelphia the, the 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 culture of the Muslims in Philadelphia is different than the culture of Muslims in New York City oh, right no, no, as no. the culture of Muslims in India are, as versus the culture of Muslims in Birmingham versus the culture Egypt. of Muslims in yeah. Canada or Egypt right yeah. so I mean you gotta address things in their like context Moon's right? really sharp beard and haircut attest to the fact that's that that's true. true I know the culture of fully I noticed that over. today mashallah yeah. man <laughs> he's, he's working in Philly now and he yeah. comes back I looking see, sharp I, see, I was like you look for the people who don't know one time I was in the area and I saw, you know, that picture that has all the different cuts, right? Yeah. And all the way in the bottom right, they got it, the Sunni. It said Sunnah cut. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, it's called the Sunni. The that Sunni. beard yeah. is even called the Sunni. Yeah. You know, in yeah. Philly and stuff. Hey, can I say something really quick? So, all right. So remember, we were having that discussion today about that article that Imam Mark Manley had written that Mufti Niaz forwarded. Yes. It's a good article. Maybe we should post it or something. But I just want to say that when I was in, uh, I spent the, just a few days in Morocco over the summer. Mm-hmm. And I had the same feeling that I had whenever I go in the Muslim world, but it was more pronounced this time, which was that, and I, I didn't have an explanation for it. It's just a feeling that being Muslim in a place like that is actually possible, which means that the counter of that is true as well, which is being Muslim in a country like this, it's maybe not fully <laughs> possible. And which, uh, like what? Like being Muslim in America is not fully possible. Like right? being Muslim, is like what I like, posted on the group is like, you know, just being a proper, normal, everyday Muslim, praying your five times a day, giving your zakat, helping the poor, you know, uh, visiting the sick. You're saying it's not possible? It's much more difficult here, right? Yeah. Um, so what Imam Mark was saying is that we, in all of this trying to fight to preserve our deen, sometimes we, 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 we overlook just the, the, mere, the, yeah. the sheer joy of being a Muslim, yeah. right? Just living our life and telling our families about how happy we are that we're Muslim and just yeah. like like it was pre 9-11 right yeah before every before people started attacking Islam and then people started defending Islam and then people started selling out their Islam so that they could be accepted and then the next people came to defend from that yeah. and this is the whole cycle that we've been going through and that's all we're doing now is being reactive and reactionary yeah. instead of just being Muslim yeah and it's absolutely true and when I'm in the Muslim world um, and, and this last time I felt it more pronounced it just felt like if I lived here and I wasn't yeah. even in like Fez I was in uh, Marrakesh yeah right I just felt like if I lived here, I could be. It would be so easy to be a Muslim yeah. all the time, right? It wouldn't. It would be. It would be. It wouldn't. I wouldn't have to ever think about it. Even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I'm in America, it's constantly work just to be on my uh, on my Islam. Well, maybe there's more reward than. Inshallah, yeah. it just felt good over there. Can I, can I mention just one thing? Yeah. No. Just, no. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> You're just, the new guy. You don't get the yeah. last comment. <laughs> this guy discrimination over here. But just just as a positive note. Um, like I think that um, I mean I think uh, especially in this country we're in a situation very much like the Meccan situation, where the and the Meccan situation produced the best believers, right? I w- like you don't have pressure. Um, uh, yeah, you don't have pressure. You don't. You also the ten people promised paradise are all from Mecca, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like you don't. So yeah, I man, think I want to follow their example and make hijrah. <laughs> <laughs> no, sure, I, I agree with that. <laughs> But, but I think like Islam I think like history has shown that Islam really shows itself 
under pressure. Yeah. Like, and it's I think true. I think that's a quality of the truth. Like, one of the reasons that I find Islam personally convincing is that it's able to deal with so much diversity, yeah. right? When it's put under pressure, it has a response to it, it blossoms, right? Actually. It, it, blossoms. it actually blossoms, right? And I think like that's that unique opportunity here in here in America. So I I just want to be optimistic about that. That was very and, beautiful, man. Yeah, yeah, so, beautiful. No, yeah. No. And, and we got to blossom and do something that. Uh, maybe some other groups did and, and that is connect with uh, the poor parts of the country mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know if we said this before but we uh, we have a group that makes a run every week if I had the money I would make that run every day mm-hmm. we make a run with about maybe 50 or 60 containers of food to the local area that's really poor day laborers drunks and all that stuff. people mm-hmm. who are like chronically drunk yeah. and my yeah. opinion is are chronically high on something they're yeah. done they're cracked their brains are fried whether they're guilty for doing that themselves or not, who knows? But my opinion is like some people, you just have to take care of them for life. Mm-hmm. There's no getting them out of a, a rut, right? <coughs> they're in the rut permanently. You just help them yeah, and make it easier and give them food. Mm-hmm. I really believe that that's what Muslims should be focused on. On and and and, and winter's coming. Oh, winter! Yeah. Not only that, win- the winter, the allegorical winter of another economic downturn. You see it in the news yeah. every day. Mm-hmm. They're predicting yeah. it. Yeah. Right. yeah, well, I mean, we're bubbling, so. Yeah, so what, that what, market. Exactly. Yeah. And and what kind of response are we going to have? Are we going to res- have a response just worrying about ourselves and crying and all that stuff? All right, so let's wrap it up. Jazakum Allah Khair. This <coughs> is the first episode of uh, episode or season three. Mm-hmm. S3 E1. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So, mashallah. Jazakum Allah Khair. And why you want to wrap it up? All right, that's it. Inshallah. Thank you, everyone. I'll thank you, Nazma, for the time and coming coming out. And, you thank know, you. You should be thanking us. May Allah. Thank you, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank us for letting for, you, yeah. for us letting you be here. <laughs> it's 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 a, it's an honor to uh, you know be in the same table as Dr. Shadi no, and, uh, and the I'm other people. Kidding. So I'm just like, no, I really mean that. Yeah. So, no, but you, so did a, you did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. all right. We're looking forward to Nazmo's uh, episode <laughs> next week or the week after, I think. Uh, so listen to that. Great that's job. a that's a great Inshallah. breakdown on. Uh, Theodicy and the problem of evil. Yeah. So look forward to that, and inshallah, we'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.